Hello everybody. Ooh, I thought that echoed. Hello everybody. I'm Tim. Um, what's the topic for? Right. So, personally, I lived with my alcoholic every weekend when I was younger. When I was about four until I was about nine, until he left, eight, and. You know, I thought the life I was living was normal. Having numerous houses every couple months was, you know, every kid lived in a motorhome in the middle of nowhere at some point, or we lived in a ghetto neighborhood that, like, cars who no one knew who they were were always there, and a horse in the backyard. So, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm being completely honest, we had a horse in the backyard. And so, I mean, like, I always thought the life I lived was, like, at least one of every three kids' life. I, I, I would go to school, I would live the normal school life, and at mom's home it was completely different, but I thought with dads, you know, oh, dads just live some strange life with different moms every couple of weeks or different stepmoms for a couple months at a time every few years. So I was like, oh, so that's how it is. Um... Then I, like, I've been in program my whole life. I was in program since my mom's tummy, and I went to Alitots, where they just gave you play toys and you sat there for an hour. And then I went to preteen without knowing who my alcoholics were. And so when everybody said they're alcoholic, I said, oh, um, I think I said my grandpa or something, but it was just because that's what my mom told me when I was little. Then uh, a few years passed of saying that, and then I stopped going when I was about 10 then I went back a couple months later. There's a few months, almost a year break in between. And the first meeting I went to, I came home, said it was my grandpa, who was my qualifier. And I asked my mom who my real qualifiers were, because I had no idea. So she said, it's your dad, your grandpa, and your other grandpa on my side. And when ever, after dad, everything like phased out. I was so shocked. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So every other kid who's like, my dad does this because he's always drunk, and my dad does that because he's always drunk. My, did, my dad did what he did because he was always drunk. So I realized it wasn't the normal life, and I, I kind of had a feeling because whenever I'd go to a friend's house, my there's dad would be like, you guys want to, you know, go to the movies and then go get ice cream, and I'd be like, my dad would just say, let's go home and then pass out like 10 minutes later. So I'd sit in my own room and just play or watch movies or whatever by myself for until I fell asleep. And I was living with my alcoholic. I lived with my alcoholics based on my own life. Like, he cooked and helped me get to school and see my mom every week. After, on the, after the weekend, I would, Sunday afternoon, he'd drive me to mom's and that'd be it. The next week, it would repeat. But I thought the way I was living was, you know, really extravagant because we had different homes in different areas, like four or five years. We lived in Chatsworth for a couple months at my... First stepmom, Marlisa's house. Um, then we moved into some motorhome, legitimately in the middle of nowhere. I don't remember where it was. That's where it was. But we lived in a field. And we, our neighbor was three miles away, and it was a horse ranch. They didn't live there. They just kept their horses there. So, I mean, like, we, we like, I don't know. Our life was strange, and I thought that was normal. You know, we, I mean, for an outer city life, I thought that was the way that we lived. Dad came home drunk, fell asleep. I hung out with my stepmom I barely knew. That, that, was, that was it. That was the life. And I started going to Alateen again, and I heard all these other stories, but their dads were like, that's nothing. Like, some kid I remember, not going to say names, 
um, said one time, oh, my dad yells at me. I'm like, strange. My dad yells at me when he's sober. Hmm. You know, I would face my life upon other people's lives because my life, like, I'm not going to say my life's the worst. I've heard some really bad stories. But my life definitely wasn't the best with my, my alcoholic when I was younger, where we were living. Um, I remember living in this one house where we had some white power guys next door, and my dad would hang out and get drunk with them, and I would be around them all the time. I would swim in their pool. They had, like, this, like that ghetto inflatable pool that I would, like, they didn't take care of. I swam in that, like, every, every other day because, you know, we were with them. And those were my dad's friends, and we would just, they would just talk and drink, and I would sit there and just, like, listen. And, you know, that influenced me in a lot of bad ways. I used to be really racist and anti-gay when I was, like, nine years old. So that's you know, doesn't go very good. I would walk around school, so I'd be like, hey, Tim, I'd be like, in my head, I'd, like, outside, I'd be like, hey, what's up? But inside, I would say some really mean thing about them, because that's what my dad would do. You know, I looked up to my dad a lot. My dad was, like, my hero. In sixth grade graduation, I told my teacher my dad would be coming in. She, like, and she, my, my sixth grade teacher, by the way, was, like, the only teacher who really believed in me, so I'm not good in school. And um, she based my whole graduation around my dad coming back. Like, it was military. We had posters and phrases and all this stuff military-wise. My dad came in his outfit and blah, blah, blah. And, ah, what was I saying? All right. And that was the only teacher that ever really believed in me because I had a lot of problems due to the fact that I was always, you know, saying mean things to kids and minorities or people in general. Mainly not minorities. I would say to my head, but I'd be a asshole to my teacher and I mean it I mean I even went back to make amends when I was in eighth grade I was so mean to my teacher and you know you like when you're young you're like oh I don't need to apologize I didn't do anything wrong I knew I did things wrong like I threw her computer on the floor and told her to clean it up like I was mean in third grade fourth grade uh, all the way up to sixth seventh eighth and you know that was living with my alcoholic you know I lived around an awful environment I was in an angry home I had a bunch of stepmoms that led to a lot of weird relationship issues with friends. I got really close, but then when they'd like be like, oh, I need to go do this, they'd be like, why are you leaving me? I'm like, no, don't do that. And if they could just be saying, oh, I'm just going through 20 minutes. 20 minutes would feel like years to me. It'd be like, ah, no, hey, I'm back. And I would start tearing up. And, you know, that happened with my dad because my dad was in the military. So, like, when he was home, he was still military dad. And my dad, may I add, is not only an alcoholic, he's also a very racist, homophobic, Christian nut job. I'm not religious. I'm very flamboyant. I am straight, but I'm very, you know, raised in a woman home. You know, you learn what looks good on who and how you should be dressing that day. And, that, you know, I was always like that. My dad's always been really uptight about me. He's always questioned a lot of things about me. And, you know, that's coming from an alcoholic point of view. My son's gay because he hangs out with girls. Like, oh, I didn't know that was a problem. But um, a lot of things were weird with my... Like, I always thought my life was different but normal. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but I always thought... I lived a normal life, but everybody else's was different. You know, the way I lived was normal. Everybody else was some whack job with some awesome family. And I had some evil dad, and I was like, this is right. You know, my dad yelling at me... Ten minutes later, I love you, Dad, because, you know, you just got done ranting at me about something. And everything I did was wrong. And when I mean everything, I mean everything. I didn't take out the trash the right way. You know, I didn't throw it in the, in the, tr I didn't throw the trash in the trash bag at the right angle. Or, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell someone off the right way. I didn't tell them, you know, you suck or you're an awful person. I didn't do that. 
And my dad was very, always nervous about me. He, every time we'd go somewhere, we'd bring our dogs so they can sit in the car with me while he goes and grabs the, goes into the liquor store, goes and get his med or whatever he would go do. He'd always have the dog with me and always have something for me to hit someone with. You know, because he's, yeah, it was weird. I would, I remember this one time, clear as day. I was like seven years old and I lived on uh, Sierra Highway by the Vons in the swimming pool. And we were in Vons and my dad came down to go visit me. And he picked me up from my my first r- rental house, and oh, it's so funny. There, we have this we had this really crappy truck, really crappy broke down truck that barely worked, doors barely locked. If you pulled on them when they're locked, they'd open wide. Like they wouldn't there wouldn't even be that click. It would just go wide open, and so you know anybody could break in. So my dad gave me a hammer and had my pit bull right next to me and said, if anybody comes near the door. You hit them. I'm like, what if there's some little girl? Like, what if they're a Girl Scout? Like, what are you doing? <clears throat> Just hit them with a hammer. I'm not going to beat a Girl Scout. Like, that's, but that's the way my dad thought of everything. You need to be violent and you need to be angry about it. And it was really strange to me because I was raised by women. So I'd hear one side and I'd hear another. I would hear my mom say, love everybody for who they are. And on this side, I'd say, only love certain people because, you know, I'm not your dad and that's who you should listen to. And I remember this one time, I was at my mom's house, and I painted my nails, just because I was bored. Painted my nails and my toenails. I was like four years old, five years old. I barely moved into my new house with my parent, my mom and my grandma. And I painted my nails, and my dad called me. So my mom said, don't tell him. I told him, obviously, being five, four or five years old, you think, don't do it. Ah, you know what? He might want to know, even though he might not ask. So I, he asked me, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just painting my nails. He lost it. He called me queer when I was five years old. He said, that's very wrong of you to do. And all those horrible things. My mom lost it. Everybody lost it. I pay, took the, na- the paint off my nails. The next, the couple days later, when my dad saw me, he picked me up from school. And he said, let me see your nails and blah, blah, blah. And I showed him. And there was nothing on there. He said, ever do that again? That's the wrong thing to do. That's homo and gay. And I don't want my son being like that. And I was like, What? I didn't even know what half the words he was saying meant, let alone, like, how bad it was. I thought it was fun. Like, I'm not against doing stuff like that. I'll do it for fun if I want to, you know? And um, it was really bad uh, later on because I started getting older and he started knowing, you know, when you get older, there come more things that you do in life. You go out with friends. You go see movies without parents. Ooh, scary stuff. Um, and you grow up. That's the alcoholic's worst fear is you grow up because then they don't have the control they had over you. Or at least that's how it was with my dad. And um, when, I, when I grew up, my dad didn't let me, I, we had neighbors and they had kids. He wouldn't let me go hang out with them because they might influence me or something. And my dad always had a problem with him, me being away from him. And it was weird because I never had a problem with anybody in the world. I, had, I hated everybody leaving me, but except my dad. Like, I would cry, but ten minutes later, I'd be like, okay, you know, I'll see him in a couple days, no big deal. But he hated me leaving. Hated me leaving. If I wanted to go to a friend's house, there'd have to be, like, a thousand questions. And when he'd say, let's go, well, I'll drop you off this time, hours later, hours later, freshman year, two years ago, I went to my friend Chandler's house. He said, I'll drop you off after football. Like, he dropped me at football, and he said, he can take you home. He didn't let my friend's dad take... As a matter of fact, he told my, dad, my friend's dad off how he didn't want him taking me home. And me and him went to dinner. I said, I got to be there by 7.38 because we were supposed to go out with some friends. I didn't get there until like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And the next morning, he came and picked me up at 8 when he said he'd ne- he wouldn't even come get me. Like, my dad 
can't let me be with people other than him and family. And that was really hard when I was little because, you know, when I wanted to not hang out with my dad and I wanted to go do something with kids my age instead of, like, I had a big, a lot of Hot Wheels tracks. Every time I wanted one, my dad would say, yeah. And that would be my thing. I couldn't leave the house, but I could watch TV and, you know, play on my, with my cars or watch a movie or sleep or eat or whatever. I just couldn't leave the house. I was always on constant house arrest, pretty much, as, like, a little kid. And also being in a motorhome, it's not many people to go do anything with. So my dad would, we'd, we lived by a river, too, weird part. Like, it was, it was just, it was a really strange place, trust me. If you guys could see it, you guys would be question why. And we'd go down the river and fish all the time. So I got this huge ordeal with fishing with my dad now. That's like, like ever since then, that's been our thing. That's when he's not yelling at me, letting me do my own thing. And living with the alcoholic has been a big, like, impact on my life. Um, I think uh, my dad moved to Georgia because he got stationed out there for the military. And one time, like, I, he's lived out there uh, since I was about 10. I helped him move out there, actually. Me, my stepmom, stepsister, and a cat. By the way, I'm allergic to cats. Drove from California four and a half days in a car all the way to Georgia. So, you know, that was a definite impact because, you know, PT, and may I add, it was a PT cruiser, so uh, that was tight living quarters there. And so when we moved out there, I expected, you know, I don't have to see him as much. I can get away from it, but when I'd go out there, I'd be out there for weeks, and, you know, I didn't think this through, when I, when I see him, I see him, I can't say, mom, come pick me up, you know, that would be kind of hard to drive to Georgia from California when I wanted you to come get me, and so, when I moved out there, it was even worse, much, much, much worse, just knowing I didn't have a, a way to get back home, you know, I didn't have the ruby slippers from that I clicked three times and I would go home. I didn't have that. I didn't, had no possible way of getting home. And plane tickets are expensive, so we can't just buy one way and then buy another. We had to buy one set date. So I, I, I had to wait till then. And, you know, being out there changed me a lot. I'd come home with attitudes that were rude and mean to every people. I would, like my aunt, I would never be mean to her. Apparently I told her off one time when I was like 10 years old telling my aunt, who I would love to death, I would read Dr. Seuss with her, so, you know, that's some serious bonding right there, and so, I would, re I would, I would yell at this old woman, that I loved to death, my aunt's like my huge, like, just the big impact on my life, she helps, oh, she helps me through everything and stuff, so I couldn't imagine doing stuff like that, but I did, I gave attitude to her, and everybody else, my whole family, because I lived in an angry home, for weeks, and no way to get there, and um, I had a stepsister, so I had someone I could hang out with that was only a year older than me, so I felt cooler because they were older, and, you know, I thought we would have something in common. I remember the one time that we were out there, that was the one, when I moved, that was the one time she ever wanted to do anything. She's very, very quiet, didn't talk. The only way she'd talk was over texting or on the phone, and that wasn't with me. That was never with me. So I was trapped in a home where I had the ability to do something, but it was, it, it was just within grabbing reach, but I wasn't there. So I, again, was alone in a house. My stepmom didn't like me. She was very mean to me. She never talked to me. I think the one time she'd say anything was, hi, Tim, how's your morning going? And I just woke up. So I'm like, oh, well, it's all right, I guess. You know, I'm back to reality from a dream that was way better than where I am. And I didn't use program a whole lot back then because, you know, I was, like, young and 
and I was young in program. Like, I've always was in there, but I never thought of using it. I use it a lot now. I say serenity prayer whenever I talk to my dad, whether it's on the phone or I'm texting him. Like, today he texts me in the morning, I miss you, and this is the first time I've talked to my dad in months. I think it's been, like, two, three months since I last talked to him. I tried my best not to. Um, but he, he's telling me how much he misses me, and then drop the bomb. I'm thinking about moving back to California, so I'm freaking stoked. I'm, oh, I'm overjoyed to hear those words. I'm so far away in such a good way that it's so good, but he's coming so much closer in the same, in the same state is too close for me. That's, that's how much I don't like my dad. I know programs is detached with love, but detaching with love, you have to love someone. I don't love my dad. There's very little to none there. And I know it sounds awful, and it is awful, but it's so very true. I'm going to tell you the story, because I'm speaking, so you can listen to me ranting for the next 30 minutes for all I care. But um, it was two years ago, freshman year, summer, going into sophomore year. You know, it was that time I see my dad again. It was two years before. Hi, little man. Don't so worry. He's a young Alateen. Young. Start. Young. Um, but I've, I've never... He's got me beat by a few years, obviously. But um, it was a, it was that summer where I haven't seen my dad for years. And this guy, I remember this guy coming to my health class and no one called on me. My teacher hated me. I hated him. I told him, called him names. I'm not even going to make amends to him. I called him names and all. He was bald. He was the band teacher. And I was just, we always knocked heads. And it was awful. And I hate him. But um, I remember bringing it, he brought in this guy to talk to us about alcohol and drugs because we were in that topic in health. And he liked me over the whole class. And I love it because he said, you know, that's a great kid over there. My teacher gave him this look of, ooh, if only you knew. But <laughs> this guy called on me. And, he, and this is how I remember being so excited to see my dad, but then so disappointed when I did. He goes, oh, so does anybody have anybody who drinks too much? And I raised my hand, obviously. I said, if I had enough hands, you know, make this whole classroom. And cause that's how much my dad drinks. He relapsed three times and all sorts of fun stuff. And he po- asked me, how often does your dad drink? I said, every night. Even when I'm on the phone with him, I know he's drunk. He goes, that's awful. My dad was like that, too. I'm like, I told him this awesome story. Me and my dad sword fought in the front yard one time when he was super drunk, so apparently I questioned him. In Georgia, by the way. This is in Georgia. So it's not like, oh, California, you know, they could be practicing for some weird play. Nope, we're just ha- going at it with real swords, r- legitimate swords. <clears throat> and so... The guy came up to me after the class and said, you know, I really like how you were open. And when I told the whole class my dad's a drunk, they all looked at me like, what? That explains why he's so different. (laughs) Because I'm that weird kid. I'm that kid who will go around saying, I freaking love you. I don't even know you, but I love, like, I say that. Like, I don't know kids, and I go, I love you. Like, Doug knows. I say, Doug, I love that kid. But, um, and it was that summer I was so excited to see my dad because he wasn't drinking anymore. Last he told me a couple months, oh, my God. A couple months before, he told me, oh, I stopped drinking and all sorts of awesome things. And I was so happy, you know, I'm just going to be like, we're finally going to bond. No, wrong, didn't. Um, Apparently, he got rid of the TV, so he had a computer. And there was no stepmom. I didn't know the divorce. There was no stepmom, no stepsister. So it was me and my dad in a house, all alone in the middle of Georgia, where our nearest neighbor is three, four miles away. And I was so unhappy. When I got to that house, well, more when I got into the car in the airport, I was just perfect. 
Thank God. I was just so angry. We got in the car and I said, oh, how's Marlise and Brooke? He goes, well, they moved out of the house. And I'm like, fah. There goes down two people who kind of took the heat for me. So now I'm getting everything coming at me. There's no avoiding the anger in the house and stuff. So, you know, I was, that, was, that was the bust the chops with my dad. Um, then I asked him, oh, well, how's, you know, the horse? How's this and that? And he would just give me one word answers. Oh, that's good. They're great. And then he'd ask me, how, do I have a girlfriend? Or how's school going? And how's friends? I told him, well, I don't have a girlfriend. First thing comes out of his mouth, son, I'm worried about you. Are you gay? Like, and he meant it. He looked at me with the straightest face and said, son, are you gay? No smile, just... And I, I obviously said, no, dad, I can't be gay. Because he told me when I was 11 years old, if I was gay, he'd disown me as his son. He would make sure I couldn't talk to him anymore and all this stuff. 11 years old! I still think girls have cooties at that age. Like, oh my god. It was just so annoying to know that. But, um, so that was just the drive home. I told him school was okay, grades weren't too good, he questioned me of doing drugs, I don't know why, I guess everybody thinks out your grades aren't great, they think you're doing drugs, my mom thought that too, proved her wrong, bless you, um, you know, and I, I don't know, like it was just a terrible, just the car ride, the first two hours were awful, my dad yelled at me the whole way home, I don't know why, we stopped and got food, he told me if I get anything on the seat, he's gonna like flip a thing at me, you know, I don't know, he was just really angry, and so he promised me this giant cruise, that was the trip, that was the trip for the ages, worst time of my life I think I've ever had with anyone at any place at any time, it was the worst thing I've ever witnessed, my dad, 45 minutes in, already had a hundred and something dollar bill on our, on our room because he was drinking so much, so very much. Um, my dad is really good with the women, not gonna lie, he, he's had a bunch of wives and a bunch of girlfriends and all this stuff, which is completely different between me and him, because I have the utmost respect for women, he's just kind of this guy who's an asshole to everybody, sorry for the language, um, but, and so, I obviously am just, you know, I'm trying to find teenagers of my age, you know, I'm on this cruise with a drunk and a bunch of adults, so I'm wandering around like, uh, where's... These kids, I saw these kids, but they were like, oh, I'm better than you because they, like, I know that's very judgmental and that program says don't judge people and, you know, and all sorts of fun stuff. But I looked at them and they looked at me with this dirty look like, don't come over here. So for the first day and a half on this cruise, I was alone. I was alone, not even at home. I was alone on this cruise. My dad woke up at five or six in the morning every day, by the way, before I continue with my story, in the morning, and he'd kick me or pull me out of the couch, because I didn't even have a bed. I slept on a couch that was infested with bugs and all sorts of really gross stuff. So at the time, I slept on the floor with this dog that would bite me every, you know, 30 minutes. Just play, but, you know, still waking me up, and I like to sleep, so. And so I'm on this cruise all alone, and it was the worst, because my dad didn't remember anything the first night. And the first night we had dinner within the captain's deck, for those of you who don't know that, what that is, that's a very expensive, very well, cool thing to do with the captain and all the other wealthy people on the cruise. And I went nice. My dad also went nice, but my dad was so drunk he doesn't remember going to this day. But how I remember it was, he and may I add, cruises hire people from other countries 
to help them af pay for families and stuff. My dad doesn't like people from other countries. Not at all. And so I remember going to dinner, and there's this Filipino Thai, I, Vietnamese, I forgot he told me, but I was very stressed out and angry. We're in this table with eight other people we don't know. And there's thir at least a hundred other people in this room that can hear my dad talk just because he's so loud. And there's this guy, and he didn't get my order correct for the first time, but it, was, it wasn't a big deal. Like, it was something about the side. I said mashed potatoes, he probably cared. So it was something really stupid that my dad called him an, a zipper head and all these racial slanders in front of these people we didn't know. And everybody laughed at him and me. Everybody in the room. The captain looked, gives this look. I was so angry at my dad. And that wasn't the only person he was yelling at. And he was just going off and off and off. There's this other Vietnamese, Thai, Filipino, someone guy. And he yelled at him to get him more water. And, you know, he's dressed up in his army suit, so nobody's going to be talked down to him. My dad's this big, angry-looking guy. I wouldn't screw with him. I'm afraid of my dad. So, you know, I, tell, I just say yes, no, maybe, you know, I don't answer with anything other than those words. And he's yelling and yelling and going off. And I literally... I told him, Dad, I can't do this. I, and he goes, why are you angry? And I said, I am not having any good time. And I just got up and left. He, uh, I don't, and I put others' feelings before me. And I felt so bad for telling my dad that. And I was angry at myself to even think that. I was, I was angry at him, but I was angry with myself because I wasn't nice to him. And all this stuff, there's so many conflicting emotions. And... I didn't know what to do, so I walked around a cruise ship and talked to bartenders till 5 in the morning. And they asked me. Two of them knew my dad. That's the problem. Two of them were like, your dad, like, this one awesome lady. She was this white girl, so obviously my dad talked to her. Um, she, uh, she said, uh, I, I thought we started talking because she saw me wandering around for a while by myself, and she started talking to me and said, oh, what are you doing? Like, I guess on a cruise, there's really, you can't, there's, there's bars everywhere, so they can't say, like, there'd be a room, like this room, and there'd be a bar in the middle, so there's no age to sit at the bar. So I got a drink, and I talked to this lady till 5 in the morning, and I was only, like, 3 when I met her. Her name was Elise or something. She's a really cool lady. And um, she, I, I asked her, I was like, oh, did you see my dad, some bald guy, really big arms, uh, muscles, my dad's really ripped. And uh, she said, yeah, he's a, he's a character. And I said, yeah, uh, that's my dad. Because I didn't tell her that was my dad. And she was jaw-dropped. She said, you're, you're a great kid. How? And she, even, she was really curious to know how me and my dad were related. Uh, she said, you're a nice kid. He's kind of a character. I said, yeah, that's my dad uh, since I was born. So it's not like, you know, he's my stepdad or anything. And I told her our story, and she goes, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, I'm so, I guess you could say I get comfortable with people really fast. I was comfortable to tell a bartender on a cruise ship that I'll never see it again. Hey, she could be telling my story saying this kid and his dad were shooting people because, you know, it's gotten so goofed up with people. She could be telling people anything. And I was just comfortable telling her that at, like, 4 in the morning. I went to bed. Um, this is a five-day cruise, so I'm just going to fast forward. Um, my dad forgot the whole first night. Apparently, people recorded him and stuff, and he made a giant mockery of me and him on the cruise. And, every, and it was so angry. I was always mad. I was never with him. I didn't want to be near him. 
and I was on a boat, so there's only so much distance you can go from someone. And I remember we, uh, final day, we had a lot of fun off the boat because there was a lot of people around, so he wasn't an asshole to me. Uh, there was, like, he's really nice, sort of. He's, he, he differs between being nice or, uh, what's the word? Um, pa- yeah, passive-aggressive, exactly. He, one minute he'll be really cool, but the next he'll jump off something. And so he's like that around people, but not family. Family is just him around and my whole family doesn't I think my dad stopped drinking, and I don't want to tell him that, you know, he didn't. But, um, and so, the last day, I've met, I've made friends, and we're always hanging out and stuff the past few days. And, um, so, I fall asleep in a dance room. These kids didn't wake me up. And my dad finds me, and may I add, before I say whatever, I didn't have a lot of hair. I had shaved my head before I went. This was a month and a half, and to a long, too long visit. My dad dragged me out of the booth by my hair. And I legitimately barely had hair. Dragged me out of the booth, called me worthless, and how he said he wants to throw me overboard. He's so mad with me. And he said if I'm two behind, two steps behind him, he'll beat the shit out of me. And uh, may I add, it took 45 minutes to get off the boat. So this was a long time. And we get in the car and he stops. He, just dead, he was in the mid-sensor stop. Looked at me, and I was about to cry, but I was like, you know, he'll call me a pansy and all sorts of mean things. My dad, since I was seven, has always called me names, whether I cry or whatever. And so he looks at me and goes, what's wrong? I'm like, are you kidding me? I didn't talk to him for a four-hour car ride. And he was, and I felt so bad again. I was so angry with myself because I was feeling bad for the alcoholic, for them being a terrible person to me. It was, it was the worst. It's the worst feeling for those of you who've had that, that you're sad with yourself or mad at yourself because you're mad at the alcoholic. Like, you don't you don't have the right to be mad at the alcoholic, but they can be mean to you. That's the worst feeling ever, and I get that all the time, so I ignore my dad. But, um, and I can't tell my dad how I feel because he himself will judge me off my feelings. He asks me all the time, he goes, what's wrong? And when I tell him, he says, well, you need to get over it and stop being such a, you know, a B-I-T-C-H and such a the P word, and I don't want to say it in front of people, there are people here, but uh, he, he calls me all these things since I was like 10 years old. He's never been nice to me. I don't th- Everybody says, oh, your dad loved you so much, and I just go, oh, I know, but on the inside, I'm like, oh, god damn, you're stupid. You don't know how mean he is to me behind the curtains, and the second we get in the car, my dad will be at a family party, and he'll say, you didn't do this right, and it was five hours ago. He won't let it go. He t- dwells on making me sad. Uh, we ha- And so program, because I'm finally going to get to this, program um, taught me that, you know, saying the serenity prayer as many times as needed, this is when I started doing this last summer, uh, program taught me that whatever the situation, you can say the serenity prayer as many times as possible, and it calms you down. Like, I know a lot of people say, oh, no, it doesn't work in program, and I've told Alateens this, and I've spoken about this before, and they don't believe it, but um, I do it. When I started doing it, I was I would I literally counted the first few times I did. I got I was, it took me like sixty something, fifty something times before I stopped being so angry with myself, man. These were the situations where I was mad at myself. I would hate to see the situations where I'm mad at the alcoholic. But um, and I finally just started doing it so much that it just instantly started working. Say I sometimes don't even have to say it. I just go serenity prayer. Oh, look at that, better mood. But um. <laughs> 
Living with the alcohol is probably the, one of the struggles because a lot of people who live with their alcoholic have the issues I do. I barely live my alcoholic and I have these problems. I, I don't see my alcoholic as much as everybody else, so whenever I talk, I get these looks of, well, you don't get it every day, but the amount I get it is almost as bad as yours, let alone possibly more. And people outside of Alateen don't understand and I don't want people to feel bad for me because, you know, it's just life, you know? You, you get the car, you just do, you just do what the cards are dealt, you know? You can't say, I want to restart and go to a different family. You can't do that. And, you know, you can't just, you can't do that. That's impossible. You can't say, God, I don't like this family. Send me off to another one. Switch some other happy kid with my life. Let him see how it is. You can't do that. And that's how I feel when I tell people. I, tell, I feel like I'm just switching, giving them my problems so they feel bad for me. I remember I used to do it. I used to do it to my bullies. I used to get bullied. Whenever a bully would say something mean to me, I'd go, you know, at least your dad doesn't call you a B-I-T-C-H when you're eight years old and say you won't do anything right. And I'd just sit there and wait for their facial expression to go from ha 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 to oh my god, I'm the worst person. And I used to do it, and I used to have real big daddy issues because my dad left me for the army and kind of didn't really mention it to me when I was like six or seven, like the years I needed a father figure. And I would have these mental breakdowns where I'd randomly cry. I would be angry. I'd go from zero to a thousand in a second. Um, I remember this one time really good. This kid told, we were making your mama jokes. And I said one, apparently his mom was very large and I didn't know that. And so he said, well, at least I have a dad. I straight up Stood up. Let me let me enforce this. I was in second grade. I stood up and jumped over the table and kicked the crap out of this kid. I was so angry. I was the angriest kid. People didn't even want to be near me. I was always angry. I was such a mad child. I would go home from school and fail. I was in fourth grade failing every class because I didn't feel I could do anything right. And I and I I literally kids like that. I beat. I got in a lot of fights. Like a lot. And I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. But I got in a bunch of fights with kids I barely remember because I was just angry. Like, I remember this one kid, his name was Josh or something. I don't I haven't seen him since seventh grade. Uh, he came up to me one day and was like, oh, what's up? And I said, I don't want to talk to you. He said, well, I see you here alone. And he was wanted to be nice to me. Wanted to be nice. I haven't talked to him. He never talked to me after this. This was fifth grade or something. I punched him in the face. I don't know why. I just did I was really mad that day, so I just punched this kid that was trying to be really cool to me. And this was before I really started using program. Um, I got in a lot of fights with my brother because me and him didn't see eye to eye or face to face. We just had our backs to each other all the time. We didn't like each other. We just started barely talking freshman year, like when we were good. Um, one time I hit my brother with a towel rack over the back. I broke it. I ripped it out of the wall and started beating him with it. Then he threw me into a mirror and so on and so forth, kicked each other downstairs, slammed each other into walls, threw me in front of a car, like not a mo movable motion car, by the way. He pushed me off my skateboard and I hit my face on some guy's car. Like that's, that was my life. I was always angry. I'd come home angry and I'd take it out on people that I didn't need to. It's my problem. I deal with it, but I dealt it on, on other people. And program taught me that's wrong. Program taught me that was very wrong. That is what you're not supposed to do. That is the opposite. Um, I learned that I can't take what the alcoholic says to heart because it's not I'm talking, it's a disease. And, you know, it took me the longest time to figure that out. I just figured that out recently, too, like, you know, in the past year and a half, two years. I also realized 
when the going gets tough, get over it and talk to someone about it. That's the best way to solve a problem is just talking to someone. I have a therapist now who I haven't seen in weeks, which kind of makes me angry. But um, I used to call her or text her when my dad was out here one time over summer. I told I so angry over the text. I went in the week later. She said, I could feel your anger and I could just hear you yelling. And I was, that's, that's how angry I am. And that's how angry I was with my alcoholic. And just from seeing him once a week to seeing him every two years kept me going. Like that fueled my rage knowing I was seeing him at some point. And I came to the conclusion that alcoholics are alcoholics and they'll always be an alcoholic whether or not they still drink whether they be on the fence or debating it alcoholics have alcoholic tendencies alcoholics will be angry sometimes alcoholics can be mellow sometimes you know they go from zero to a hundred polar opposites but an alcoholic is always an alcoholic whether they're an awesome person or they're just the angry alcoholic they are and I realized that when I was nine years old, but I never really thought of it. Like, it always was in the back of my head. I would always say, you know, my dad's just angry today, so he's going to take it out on me or my stepmom or someone. And when, um, especially when I was younger, when I had my, when we were living in a mobile home in the middle of nowhere, I remember this one time I was with my stepmom the whole weekend because I didn't want to be near my dad. That made him so angry. Apparently, he flipped out on my stepmom. Like, he's never hit anybody. Man, he's never beaten me or beaten any of my family members. He's always just been really yelly and emotional anger and hate. And he flipped because I was always with her. And it was my it was my problem. I always chose to be with her. But this wasn't the time we were living in the field. This was the time we were living in, my, in front of my dad's friend's house in our mobile home. We were living in our friend's driveway. And... I remember me and my stepmom were watching 101 Dalmatians. This is where I cried when the dogs left, by the way. So I got kidnapped, I cried when I was like six years old. I got called a B-I-T-C-H for that. But um, I remember my dad turned the channel and made me watch the movie It. Like legitimately forced me to watch It. He said, if you don't watch this, you're not a man, blah, 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 all this fun stuff. And I don't like to make my dad sound like a terrible person, but he is. But... um. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, make people think, oh, Tim's dad's an asshole. I can't wait to meet him so I can tell him off. Because my dad loves me too much that he's too angry to me. Like, he doesn't realize how mean he is to me. That's how much he loves me. He's blinded by love, I guess, not rage. So he just doesn't see what he does, and he doesn't see it as a wrong thing. He thinks is that's teaching my son how to be a man, because there's not a man in his life. That's your problem. You're the reason there's no man in my life. But my dad made me watch things. He, he got me, he taught me, I was swearing at a very young age to people, not just in my own little world where I'd have an imaginary friend be like, you're such an idiot or you're an a-hole or something. I would tell teachers how I really felt. There was no hesitation. I didn't mind telling someone off. Like, because my dad let me, I don't know if you know the show, Reno 911 or South Park or what's the other show? There's a really bad show. Or, um... It's with the old guy with glasses. I don't know if you know that show. He, they, it's like, I, don't, I forget his name, but he, he's some, it's a reality show, and he's some movie or TV writer or whatever. But my dad would let me watch all these shows where people swear, and there's sexual jokes, and all these terrible things that an eight- or nine-year-old should not be watching, but I was watching because my dad wanted to, so I had to. I couldn't watch Lilo and Stitch or, you know... Ed and Eddie or shows I wanted because those weren't what men watched. 
My dad's a very strong believer. My dad, my problems, your problems, anybody's problems, you could add together and add more. And that's what my dad went through as a kid. So he's kind of just reenacting how his dad was to me or to him. And my, I can't hate my dad for what he went through and how he te- treats me, but I can learn to detach with love even though it, there is no love. I can still detach while caring for the person. Um, I feel that my dad doesn't realize what he does is wrong because he's just that person who thinks whatever he does is how it it is and will stay. I don't know if you guys have one of those people in your life, but uh, whatever they do is right. There is no wrong. My dad's a perfectionist, so if I get a B, I could have gotten an A. If I got an A, I could have gotten double A. Or if I got an A minus, why didn't I get an A plus? So, or if I didn't get a tackle in football, my dad always really wanted me to play sports, and then when, when I play sports and I complain about, you know, oh, I, like, let's say I broke my arm. Well, that's your fault for playing sports. That's your fault for telling me to. Like, everything that happens to you is your fault, whether it's his fault and encouraging you or telling you to do or signing up for you to do or whatever. It's your fault. If you got sick from him, your fault. If you got in a car accident and he was the one who went through the red light, your fault. Everything's your fault. And so, living with the alcoholic is probably the most influential part of my life and program. It helped me realize what an alcoholic really is behind the curtains of reality. You're like, your teacher could be your alcoholic. You don't know that. You don't know. And so you could really, I feel that's how program is. It shows you who they really are behind everything else. And I'm going to end with my favorite slogan. I don't have a higher, well, I do. I don't. It's hard to explain. I don't, 50-50 on the higher power thing. And whenever I feel like I need to talk to it or whatever it is, I can talk to it. This is also what program taught me. Your higher power can be anything. And it's my favorite thing I've ever heard in program. Higher power can be anything. It can be the doorknob that got you into your first program meeting or first Al-Anon meeting. And that means a lot. It means a lot because whenever my higher power when I'm with my, when I'm with my dad would be the person in the house, like my stepsister. That would be my higher power. She would be the person I could go talk to. Now that I don't have that... My higher power is whatever I feel like it could be for that day. It could be the banana I ate the morning. Like, you know, I can look at my stomach and talk to myself and look weird. Or I can just be whatever it is. And I can talk to it and say, you know, this is what happened. How do I fix it? And I can just think on and dwell on that question. Then realize this is how I can fix it. This is how I can right my wrongs. And how I can make, uh, how I can make amends to people that I feel I should and program helped me, and it's helped me through everything. Uh, if it wasn't for program, I'd probably be ending up like my dad somewhere, uh, probably in the other program of for Alcoholics Anonymous or something. I could see my place helping very bad places without program. So I just want to say thank you. Thanks for letting me share.